Hey Tasmania, get crazy because the Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour is coming to your area of planet Earth. Saturday, April 6th, Launceston, Theatre North. Sunday, April 7th, Hobart, Theatre Royal. We'll see you there. And Melbourne, you can also get ready to dance because we're at the Hallam Hotel the 2nd of March, 2024. Tickets are all selling fast. Get your tickets on rewind80sband.com. Just want to be starting something. We certainly do. Oh, my God, bro. I can't believe oh, it. Oh, we're finally doing Michael Jackson. Finally doing it. So excited. We've got some balls, finally. I think we I think we've skirted around the issue just because it's so dense and there's so much mythology. I'm like, a, I'm a little bit scared of it, but it feels relieving to dive into it as well. Absolutely. I'm Sammy Hardon from the 80s Montage. I'm Jay Jovi from the 80s Montage. Welcome to the show. Before we announce our special guest, let's have a chat. Yes. How was your week? Not too bad, not too bad. It's very hot here in Melbourne. Oh, it's going back yeah. and forth. Been going for lots of swims. Uh, everything's cool. Yeah. Wow. Hitting the gym. Good fucking on you. doing all of that. Yeah. Wow. Now we are here to talk about Michael Jackson's thriller. The most iconic 80s record. Oh my God. Biggest selling album in history. And incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, not just is it the biggest selling album in history, it's fucking fantastic musically. 100%. It's such a good album. You know what I mean? I think sort of over the years you you uh, because Michael Jackson superstardom just eclipsed everything else. Mm. You forget how good the music was. You forget how good the sort of bass uh, you know what what got him there and it's you know th- largely this album. Mm. It's fucking incredible. It really is. Now, before we go anywhere, we should really do our new segment, which isn't a new segment, but we've got a new jingle. Check it out. It's special. This week's gig guide. We got it together, guys. Oh, 
Mike. We've we've got some awesome dates coming off. Of course, Saturday, March the second, coming up. That will be Hallam Hotel. Hallam Hotel, along. and it's getting busy. So get your tickets it's online. Selling, isn't it? Sunday, March 16th, we've got the Burvale Hotel in Nunawading. I love dirty the Burv. Dirty Burv. It's love bloody it. good. It is I've good. got friends coming to that one. Hey, Alyssa. I've got a whole 80s reunion coming to that one. Oh, do you really? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big to... weekend, that one. It's going to be a great weekend. Saturday, March the 23rd, we've got the Sandbelt Hotel in Moorabbin. I love that venue too. Nice and big, heaps of room. Come on down if you're in the southeast there. Absolutely. Then we're heading up to uh, the Macedon Rangers, guys. We're in Hepburn at the Palais in Hepburn, Saturday, March 30th. Easter weekend. It is Easter weekend. All the bunnies can come down. Aussie Easter, not Greek Easter. Yeah, not Greek Easter. Not Greek Easter. No, not Greek Easter. No, not Greek Easter. Remember when we used to do Greek Easter at the spot and no one would turn up? Oh, that's right. No one would come. Yeah, that's right. They come after midnight or something. Yeah. Mental. When, when they're allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Palace Hepburn is going to be a great one. That's selling fast. Get your tickets for that as well. Heading down to Tassie at the beginning of April, guys. April 6th at the Princess Theatre in Launceston. That's going to be a good one. And April 7th, the following night in Hobart at the Theatre Royal. 100%. So catch your tickets. Absolutely. They are both going to be huge. They're both going to sell out. I know we've got lots of Tassie listeners. Please get amongst it and get your t- tickets now nice and early. Capital Theatre in Bendigo is Saturday, June the 19th. Get your ticket for that as well. Up in Bendy, can't wait. Bend it over at Bendigo. Yeah, hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Now, there is a gig that we have not publicised yet. It's going to be a Star Wars gig. Fucking look out. Very exciting. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. That's right. Keep in touch with the podcast to find out about that, but it will be at the South Morang Hotel, the commercial hotel. That's kind of our spiritual home, it? Isn't is it? our spiritual home. Yeah, I love it. Something spiritual happens there. I'm not sure what. <laughs> no, are. we love it there. It's always great. Yeah. Every no. single gig there is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's good. So that's our gig guide for this week. Let's bring on our special guest because I'm really excited to have Paul here, Paul Dwyer. Paul Dwyer is a fantastic author, guys. He he is a Michael Jackson expert. He's very, very generously joined us tonight in the band room. Uh, Paul wrote a book called the Human uh, called Humanitarian: The Real Michael Jackson, uh, which deals with with a lot of Michael Jackson's charity efforts and the amazing thing that things that he has done over his life. And it's sort of like a, I guess you would say, Paul, I guess like a counter narrative to like a lot of the bullshit documentaries that mm. have come out over the last couple of decades. What How do you are think? you, Paulie? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's <laughs> so nice. I listen to you every week. It's so nice to be here. Oh, good. It's a huge honour to have you here. It really, really is. I was so excited when you said that you'd be able to come on the oh. show. I, I really was. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. And congratulations on the success of the book, of Thank course. You. Paul's turned up with gifts for us as well. Oh, he has. Which, I mean, we should be giving you a gift bag. Yes. He's given it. Maybe uh, we'll bend him over later we'll on. We'll see how we go. Hello. We'll see how things pan Look, he's out. he's keen. He's keen. Yeah. 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 I've got Rahitna on my bag. It's ready to go. Okay, Even great. better. I've been given every poster tells a story, which is 30 years from Frontier Touring Co. I can't wait. It's all the gig posters from Frontier Touring. I can't fucking wait. Sammy scored the the Mushroom music. So it's all the sheet music from like um, the Mushroom catalogue. It's so fucking good, babe. Amazing. Maddie will love it as well. Holy shit. Fucking great presents. Is there split ends? 
You'll have to look and find Ooh, out. Oh, I can't wait. Now, I'm not Paul, promoting the book, by the way. <laughs> no, your amazing book. But they are amazing. Yeah. Thank you. What makes a person wake up in the morning and go, today I'm going to get the stats to all Michael Jackson's amazing situations with the hospitals, which he did more than gigs, the kids' hospitals. To, to the extent I don't think people really no, realise. No, they don't. Um, well, I didn't wake up one day and say, let's do it. Yeah. So I run a Michael Jackson Australia fan group uh, right. on Facebook. So it goes back to when I met MJ in 96. He was Love it. here for the history tour. Of course. And I met him and I slept out the front of the hotel. I was a big fan. Paint the picture. Where did this happen? This is at the Grand Hyatt in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was here for a week. Uh, when he rocked up, he came and, you know, did about two hours walking around meeting fans saying hello and shaking hands and signing autographs. Wow. Was that – did he play MCG when he played down here? Yep. Yes. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 96. Same as T-Swizz recently, although I don't think she spent two hours meeting her fans. No. <laughs> no shade. Tay-tay. No shade. She didn't and want to bore them to death. The That's Ubers why. didn't go up half bloody double price and the hotels didn't go up double Absolutely price. Absolutely crazy. No shade. Yeah. Love you, Taylor, if you're listening. We do love – you know what? Maddie and I sat there the other night and watched the app. The fucking documentary. Is it good? It's really good. I'll and give it. A, I'll give it a chance. Give it a go. Look, I she's a lovely girl. Memo. She hates Trump, so we love that. Oh, that's a start. Yeah, that's a start. Mm. Maddie and I looked at each other. We we're having tacos, and we looked at each other, and and Maddie goes, "Where was my fucking? What's invite? happening with us? What's happening <laughs> with fucking us?" Dallas and I said, "I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting old. You're you know? open, yeah. And I think you do need to look at the culture of music and what." Why it's so big? She's obviously resonating with a lot of people. Either yeah. that, or there's a big money machine behind her. Well, the thing is, you need a, a big money machine. But the thing is, the songs are everyone knows the songs. It's stuck in your you head know what? for hours. Absolutely, and it, like I look at her music, and I like you, you've got to think to yourself: people are lapping it up. Like people are soaking up the music. At least she is writing it That's for a start. Right. That's right. You know what I mean? Like at least she's a sort of guitar and lyric. She, she's a, a singer-songwriter for mm. a start, yeah. mm. you know. So you've got to be happy about that. Mm. And, um, look, am I the hugest fan of the music? No. But, hey, people are soaking it up. And, Absolutely. And I really admire. I sort of compare her music to McDonald's, you know what I yeah, mean? Totally. <laughs> because it's sort of... It's it's always yummy. Inof- it's completely inoffensive. It's always it is. there and it's completely inoffensive. But very bad for you. There is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll eventually kill you. That's right. It, Death by of, Taylor. There's it's an cancerous. art to it. There's an art to that, mm. like being extremely marketable. You know what I mean? They're really. I can't. I can't fucking do it. I cannot do it. I've got too many. I rough have edges. no fucking clue and. Even interest in doing it. Mm. Now, in saying that, people like Michael Jackson that have done what they have done, these new artists, don't tell me they're not looking back at their marketing and their formula and going, we need to do this. Oh, yeah. In terms of like looking at Michael and he's the temp- oh, 100%. You know, like, but Michael I really think that. he broke ground in a different way. Oh, 100%. Oh, because God. He was, he was always, he was always watching 
you know, those big stars. He was always watching the Beatles. He was like aligning himself with Paul McCartney early. Mm. People like sort of Freddie Mercury and Queen, always backstage, always watching, watching, watching. Even and early. just one thing that he always did, even with his rivals and stuff, he would he would watch over and over and over again. Try, and I think it's very smart. Mm. trying to just sort of soak up whatever they had, you know what I mean, like trying to kind of work it out on some level. He was very, very smart. Virgos are very much like that. Mm. They will – Virgos know everything because they've experienced it. It's not because they know it, they've experienced it. And then on top of that he had a moon in Pisces which is very – you know, he, he was full of Piscean energy. This is where the childlike stuff comes in. And he would pick up on stuff telepathically. Mm. Like it wasn't just a – it wasn't on this level. It wasn't on a normal level. Well, oh, no. well, if I put out this shingle for 20 cents, I'll make 40 cents. He watched everything in the markets. He yeah. was a businessman at yeah, the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. At the age of 10. That's right. 100%. Now, you have documented in your book since 1971 – Michael has been going into the hospitals. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I suppose it started when I met Michael in 96 and then I created a website about Michael's visits to Australia. Mm. So I started this Michael Jackson Australia fan group and I'm like, all right, I'm going to document all these visits to Australia. So I did that, which was, you know, 1975, I think, 85, 87 or 89, 96. But while I was documenting all these visits to Australia, I realised every day that he was here, he was visiting hospitals or orphanages mm. or, or mm. doing something and none of that was in the mainstream. Right. Like when I just did a simple Google search, none of that came up. I had to deep dive to find that. All I came up with, you know, on a simple Google search was, um, I don't know, crowds, who's he dating, yeah, His music, right. all that sort of yeah, shit. Yeah, or the drama. So then when I started digging deeper, I'm like, well, no, there's a lot more to all these visits to Australia. Mm. So that just started something and then I started. You want to be starting something. Paul wants to be starting something. I was wanting to start something. Yeah, you did. So then, yeah, and then I just started documenting every day and then all of a sudden those visits to hospitals and orphanages and, and charity involvements grew a massive life of its own. And I'm like, oh, this is bigger than what we were all seeing on the, the front page of the newspaper, the mm. concerts, the, the recordings. Um, they're all documented but no one's documented all these hospitals and orphanage visits, which is I suppose what he wanted. He didn't do it for public relations. He was doing it privately. and He, he was. He always said, you know, no, I don't want any press there. Not like, you know, sometimes today artists will go and invite the cameras around. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. So there was no cameras around. There was no press. Get away and he did it privately. But if you do a deep dive, the facts are there. So I'm just like, well, this is – I just found it a little bit unjust, mm. you know, after being a fan for so, so many years. I'm like, well, it's a bit unjust that none of – no one knows about this shit. Um, mm. So let's document it. Let's put it out. And so I – just compiled it or put it in a book at first just for myself and then people started asking for it. I think I put it on Facebook and then people right. said, can I get a copy of that? Mm. like, yeah, right. And then another one, can I get a copy? Yeah. And then it just got so big, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to publish or do something. That's fantastic. Oh, that's cool. I want to talk more about sort of when you met him when he was doing the history tour. 
let's dive in. This, I mean, this this episode will be a double episode, by the way. Um, the second episode will be a Patreon episode, guys. Mm-hmm. So, so to become a Patreon, you can jump on board for as little as a dollar fifty a month. For ten dollars a month, you get the extra episodes. Yeah. So, so jump on board, please. This is your opportunity. If you love this stuff and you love what we're talking about, please, you're going to love the second episode. Episode one will essentially be um, an album review of Thriller. A couple of years ago now, we, we sort of, um, you know, we've, we were very busy, Sammy and I. A couple of years ago now, um, uh, Thriller reached sort of 40 years mm. and it was a massive, massive milestone. B- because of that, all these amazing documentaries were coming out and like people were revisiting the, the, the making of the album and so forth. And we've got this sort of fund of information that we were able to go over as well as sort of reviewing the songs on the album ourselves. So we're going to sort of dive in now and, and just see where we go. So it's pretty exciting. I I can't wait. I I realized, Oh my God, I'm doing a thriller album review today. Yeah. 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 I want to ask everyone when we all first fell in love with Michael Jackson, what was the song? What was the time? What were you doing in your life? Paul, you can start. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Motown 25. Really? Oh, you were late. I remember clearly. Oh, you wouldn't want a period like you. That. You'd be fucking pregnant. <laughs> That's what did it for me. Wow. Yeah, and then I went back because I don't think Thriller Video was out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it wouldn't have been. I just remember sitting there because, you know, I was born in 77, so that was in 80. Oh, well, you're the same age. 83-ish. Yeah, yep. So I was only, you know, five or six. But I remember seeing him do the moonwalk and actually I was at a, a family reunion and all the oldies were like, oh, yeah, you kids go and watch TV. So me mm-hmm. and a couple of the cousins were watching TV and all of a sudden mm-hmm. Michael Jackson come on. And all the parents came out too and they're like, oh, we've got to see this, we've got to see this. It was a big thing. Yeah. And so we all watched it and we all went, oh, fuck. I mean, I didn't, yes. I didn't say fuck so I was five or six. <laughs> I would have said fuck. But I'm pretty that. sure the parents did and the aunties and uncles. Mm. And that just hit it off. I think we then we just started looking for other things of Michael Jackson, which is hard because there was no internet back then. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, you had to wait for... MTV or whatever yeah. it was, yeah, which right. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah. So we just had to go and wait. Multi MTV. Go and wait for some more Michael Jackson. Sammy, what about you? What was your sort of off like? the wall? Yeah, right. Off the wall. Wow. I was. Um, How old are you? I I I was very young, ten. So I had two Mauritian friends, and I've voiced this on the website. Um, on the uh, what are we on a podcast? Podcast. That's right. Uh, before and I had two little Mauritian friends in my street that no one really hung out with but me and I was like the white honky that hung out and they had off the wall the record in their garage and they, Mauritian women can dance and they can run. They're fucking incredible. So I couldn't run but when I watched them dance to Michael Jackson I went, this is amazing. I'm also a Virgo, so I very much tapped into that Virgo energy with Michael. Very organised, very precise, very perfect. He was perfect. Off the walls perfect. Absolutely. Mm. So I think it was – I'm not a huge fan of Blame It On The Boogie anymore because too many cover bands have done it. Mm. It kind of fucked it a bit for me but it was off the wall, that track where I was dancing with my two friends and I'm really happy that at that – because my dad moved us to Clayton – 
from Bentley because he wanted us to be more cultured. And when he meant cultured, he wanted us to mix with all different cultures. That was his whole thing. So I took that on and went, I didn't know what it was, but I went fucking everywhere. And um, th- my dad and my mum are still really best friends with these, the parents of my two friends. They obviously have kids now and grandkids and stuff. But off the wall to me was just something really magical. And yeah, that's where yeah. it started. Absolutely. But I couldn't afford the record so I had to go to my neighbours, you know. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Strangely enough, like and you've got to think of me sort of growing up on a farm and all mm. of that and, and really my only sort of my own, only cultural portal was music, you know what I mean? Mm. So like these days it would be the internet for kids but like mine was music because I had elder brothers, yeah. Mm. None of them were into my Michael Jackson. They were into rock, you know, mm. and um, they went into sort of like R&B and, and stuff like that because he was very much a, um, a an urban artist, you mm. know, at, at this time. Pre-thriller very much so. But um, he was starting to – Human Nature was the first song. Human Magic. Nature was the first song that I can remember of his and I loved the drama and the mystery of it. It just really resonated with me as a kid. Mm. And I kind of – there's a sense of melancholy and loneliness in that song yep. that as a young, young kid, like fucking four or five, I was able to tap into. And I, yes. I just knew because my b- brothers m- were much older than me so I was essentially like an only child, you know what I mean? I mm. had all these parents and then I was like the only little kid. Because there's 15 years between you Absolutely. and Absolutely and, yeah. and the next one up. So, so – um, You were the Bowen Five, I, mate. I got it. I, un- I always – I know this sounds ridiculous. I always understood him mm. because he's always had that isolation – like mm. he he has always had that isolation and I got it from that age. And so I was absolutely obsessed. I've got to say he was from that time the biggest sort of uh, cultural influence on me right the way through. How interesting that it's not a visual memory. Then I can remember him popping up on the news. So him coming, he started appearing on the news and, you know, and I just thought he looked, uh, he looked so incredible. So it was like the dark skin, dark glasses with the white silvery glove and then you got the red jacket with all the fucking rhinestones and jewels all over it and all of that. Like the visual of that was just like just so tantalising, you know, as a little kid. And it was, it was sort of larger than life. I know I, I hate to speak in cliches. It really, really was. It was it was too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like how can that person be real? Mm. And um, and when he sort of – this was the period, sort of that sort of 84 period when he started sort of crossing over into becoming an icon and it all happened right in front of me. I'm just so glad I lived through it, you know. Well, it's that's right. Phenomenal. We all lived with Thriller. Let's, let's get started. with us. Let's get we started so that it. we can sort of get some music playing. Mm. So um, basically Thriller was released 29th of November 1982. 
What a, an amazing time. So it's mm. sort of like end of the year for, for everybody and it's sort of, you know, throttling towards Christmas. Now at the time I believe – and you correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he was about 23 turning 24 at this time, like around the recording and um, around the release. We're not really going to work through things chronologically. No. We're going to touch on songs and we're going to comment on them. So, you know, any any pricks that are going to kind of come out <laughs> come out and fact check us, you can go and get fucked. That's to start right. With. Fact check your weight. I'll, now I'll the, correct you. Don't worry. The, oh, beautiful. Nice one. So Off the Wall 79, Michael really felt that he didn't get the success that he deserved. No, well, he didn't. He really valued the album. He knew what it was. And then... The way that the attitude – so firstly, before anything else, before any music, it was the attitude with which he started approaching this next album. So basically the quote from the documentary was that he lived, breathed, slept, dreamt and spoke of nothing but success. Mm. And that's the kind of fire that he had in his belly as he was entering this project. It was absolutely incredible. So it wasn't just like, oh, well – you know, the, the the sort of bank account's getting a bit low. Better be time to sort of start recording an album. I've, I've got these ideas. He was hell-bent on success and this is how he entered into it. And and you've got to remember at this time black artists weren't really, really accepted. So Off the Wall was a big, you know, like he won not many awards and to a Virgo with the Piscean Moon, you are fucking out to get people. Yeah, yeah. It you was very, ready. very difficult for... You're launching the missile. Yeah, very, very difficult for black artists to make it into the mainstream. And you would have had sort of like, I guess, Harry Belafonte, you would have had Sammy Davis Jr. Um, and, a, and a handful of others that made it into the mainstream. But um, they were niche, you know, that it was a sort of niche market. And, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they had their genre stay in it. Yeah, that, it, that's exactly right. That was the attitude. And it was a, and it was a money-making genre. It was huge in LA. It was huge in New York. The thing with Michael was that he understood racial, you know, the division of the racial and that's where we start seeing your Paul McCartney's and stuff come into the album because he knows, he knows that people will um, – Really love the album if he gets a couple of whiteys on there. He had to – this is very, very smart. Mm. He realised early that he would have to align himself with powerful white people mm-hmm. to be accepted into that mainstream market and he did it so, so artfully. It was incredible. So, it, the, the, yeah, it, it's just amazing how he did it. So basically he started sort of um, incorporating the team that would work on the album. He had worked with Quincy Jones on Off The Wall. Uh, they had met through doing The Wiz together um, and they wanted to sort of, you know, continue. Off The Wall was an amazing experience for them. They decided to go into this next album. So I believe sort of Rod Temperton and Bruce Sweden as well was sort of part of the creative team. And um, there are a big sort of other bunch of like musos and singers and stuff like that, which we'll go to mention and everything. But I love the singers, to be honest with you. I think they're they're beautiful. The the Waters? Is that the name of the trio? You have to double check it, but they were incredible. Yeah, yeah. They really knew their shit. Like, we're the shit, man. And they were. And they really were. They're they at really the top were. of their game. The thing, the thing though, Michael was 24. 24? Yeah. I fucking like, I think of myself at 24. Mate, I yeah. was just like fucking 
rocketing from one disaster to the next. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. A lot of the black artists had to work a lot harder and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson we, were doing stuff at eight. Yep. And this is what I hate about the the stuff when you watch The Voice and, like, you're just 16. Who gives a fuck, dickhead? Yeah. 16's nothing. Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, eight. <laughs> Starting their career, eight. Yeah. What were you doing at eight? Yeah, exactly. I was fucking, you know what I was doing? Putting 20 cents in the fucking lolly machine, turning the knob and hoping it worked. Yeah. And I got some bubble gum out of the fucking shit, right? That's what I was doing, yeah. right? I was Same. probably throwing horse shit at my brother That's on the farm, right. We know. weren't doing I'm going to be a, an artist. But it's a really, really good point because I think Michael knew he had such a demand. He was just grasping and Thriller was going to be the one. He was writing affirmations, remember that? He was writing all this stuff about his album and how huge he was going to be. Very Piscean to do that, very Virgo. The, the, the part you started talking about how you resonated with mm. him as a child, mm. he's always been childlike. Yeah, he's yeah. He's always written music like that. We may not have known Michael Jackson in a relationship, but you believe he's been in a relationship when you hear human nature. Billy Jean. There's stuff just like depth that. to it. But yeah. he he had that he had that depth of understanding the human condition from a child. Like when he was singing, like even like stuff like Ben and like you you got the pain. You got the sort of yeah. like he 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 recognized as a performer through his translation the the um the just the human condition. He just got it. This was part of it. He was an mm. amazing storyteller through his vocal. Mm. It was just incredible. But like also, look, also it was the performing of it through through the dancing as well. Mm. You know, like that, like seeing the fire of his sort of incredible dancing, that was something else. Mm. And that was sort of like a big takeaway from the doco is the way that he mixed the writing and the vocal the delivery through the singing and the the dancing, but also like the promotional element of it. It was just genius. Like the triangulation between those th- three things was just amazing. Um, just so we can keep going, we can sort of wax lyrical forever. We'll play another song. Sammy mentioned Paul McCartney. Um, they started recording the album in Westlake Recording Studio in LA, but they actually started tracking stuff in New Haven, which um, was the family home. Havenhurst. Which, which Havenhurst, Paul has sorry. been to. Havenhurst. Paul has been to. Have you been to their home? Oh, yeah, tell us this story. Yeah, fucking Come amazing. On. Did you want to do a song first? We'll do a song first. Baby Be Mine, Michael Jackson.
Baby by Ma- Baby be mine, Michael Jackson. So Very good. off the wall that track. Yeah, mm. Mm. keeping with disco. Very Tell smooth. Tell us about your experience because you have the family. Which one? In your life, um, where the house was. Yes. Thriller Forty. Yep. So I was invited to go to Thriller Forty in 2022, which is a three-day party at Havenhurst, the the family home where MJ and his brothers and sisters. Grew up, I think, from the late 70s up until he bought uh, Neverland, mm-hmm. so in the late 80s. So he was there for a while and then I think uh, his mum lived there for a while afterwards, Paris lived there afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the family home for, for I think three decades or so. So I was invited to go there in 2022 for Thriller 40, a three-day party that celebrates Halloween um, <laughs> and Thriller. And, you know, I'm just a Melbourne dude. I'm like, how do I say no? How do I say no to that? It's it's a a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser for Heal Los Angeles, uh, Prince Jackson's um, charity. Yeah. I think so you can buy tickets. They're like three grand, three or four grand. But you got in for free, yeah? Yeah, I was invited to go along because I did the book and then. They didn't know that was you when you went there. Some of the family did. So mm. I'd I'd connected with Taj Jackson, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson's nephew, Toto, uh, T- Tito's son. Um, Toto's the band. Yeah, Toto's in well, yeah. 3T. Toto's on Thriller too, you know that. Oh, of wow. course. Yeah, of course. So it wasn't just a slip up. Mm, um, that's right. Oh, no, Toto, definitely. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Toto fucking... They fucking smoke bongs in the back room of that fucking album, yeah. Didn't know about any bongs at Thriller 40. No, no, no bongs. But um, that's only if I went. Yeah, so I connected with him, and we spoke about my book and some projects he's working on, and we connected. And then he's like, "Mate, come to Thriller 40. Mm. So, how do you say no? Mm. So no, a couple of months exactly. later, I flew back to LA, did a three day party there. Um, so it was basically a Friday night party, Saturday night party, and then on the Sunday they invited all these. Inner city kids to come in and they'd put on free food and entertainment and games and um, little kids that you can't go trick or treating because it's a bit too dangerous in the yeah. in the inner cities. So they're like, and you know, in America, Halloween's like Christmas here. Yeah, yeah. So um, massive, massive three days. Tell us about Prince Michael and him understanding that you've written this book, Humanitarian. Cool. So, yeah, it's, it's probably a moment I won't forget in a hurry. Mm. So I was, you know, as I was, sitting in the kitchen of Havenhurst. Wow. And um, with Prince and a couple of others and I just said to him, hey, mate, I wrote a book about your dad and I was hoping to give you a copy. I'll be back tomorrow night on Saturday. Um, can I give you a copy? And he's like, yeah, 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 of course. What's it called? I said, it's called Humanitarian, the Real Michael Jackson. And he jumped up and gave me this biggest hug and started crying. And he's like, mm. oh, my God, I've got your book. I bought your book. I bought wow. I bought 20 copies of your book and I gave it out to my friends. I've given it to my family. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm, it's such an honour to meet you. Mm. I said, what the fuck? So you're both holding each other What crying. do you mean it's an honour to meet me? Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> now, this is the thing Jay and I talk about all the time, especially even with this show, is that when you're in something and you're actually orchestrating something, you don't realise how many lives you touch. We did a party on Saturday night for Deb. Now, Deb was going through a very hard time. 
she saw our band Rewind 80s and she gave us this gift at her birthday and she said, without you guys, I would not have been living the way I live now. And she was always tearing up. Now, that's only a party, right? This is nothing – this is not Prince Michael. But you don't ever realise how much you're affecting someone's life until they tell you. Because we're not egotistical like that. We don't think we're the shit. So Prince has just gone, oh, my God, you're my hero. Oh, he didn't say that. Well, but I'll take it. He pretty much did, dude. <laughs> he pretty much did. No, yeah, he, he respected my work. He's like, yeah, I appreciate it. And um, so then I started crying. Yeah, of course. So then that was one of the moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm hugging Michael Jackson's son. Yeah, and he's that's hugging right. me and we're both crying together. And you know what? When Michael passed, the one thing the world felt, and I'm just going to voice this, we needed to watch out for his kids. When we saw Paris and you saw her crying and you saw Blanky, what, what do you call Blanky? BG. BG, cute. BG and Prince. It was the one responsibility I felt the world had for fucking with him. Because he was a that human. we must look after his kids. For letting him down, yeah. That's right. Yeah. All of a sudden everyone went, oh, my God, he's a human. Yeah, that's right. He's a human. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Big wake up And call. you're still really good friends with Prince. I wouldn't say really good friends. but I think you are. He, he uh, came on my podcast. Um, yes. He was the first guest on Very my podcast. Very intelligent kid. Very really intelligent. intelligent. Yeah. And he, so he's behind, you know, this uh, movie they're making now of yes. MJ's life. And very intelligent. The, the sweet, the sweetest family. Like when I was over there, I've been over there a few times, but the last time I was over there and spent a few days at Havenhurst and met, you know, there's like 3,000 people in the family. It's a massive family. Yeah. They're all just the nicest, sweetest mm. people you'll ever met. Mm. And I've made some beautiful friends over there. Yeah. And some of my closest friends are over there because, I don't know, we just connected and they're just sweet and they're lovely and nothing like you would see... On TMZ, you know? Yeah, well, that's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. There is a spiritual connection. Yeah. And I said to you before, I believe when people pass, people become a portal and they become the person they pass information through. And I, I have to say this, I think it's you with the humanitarian stuff. I know that's a Thank big you. fucking talk, but I know that people pass stuff through portals, it could be anyone. Yep. You've met Michael Jackson, they know more than we do when they pass over and I think I just congratulate you on that effort Thank because you. you're really a legacy to protecting his legacy, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. That's awesome. Hey, can I just to uh, change gear for a second? We opened the show with Want to Be Starting Something, yeah? What is your biggest... When you think of that song, what's the first thing you think about? For me, it's the Dangerous Tour. Me too. When he was in his gold leotard, whatever it was. Yep. And just doing the shoulder, shoulder, uh, uh, and then hard to get under, that thing. Yeah. I hope yeah. we don't think of the same thing because I think we do. What do you think of? 
the horns that that really? uh, yeah the horns that Quincy Jones brought in because he's sort of the the um I guess the big perception of Quincy Jones was that he was like a, a jazz producer. Mm. The thing about Quincy Jones is just like the absolute breadth of music that he covered in his career, and and because of the breadth of genres that he sort of covered, he had so much musical knowledge. So he was able to draw in just so many different factors. And yeah, it's the it's the horn section in that song. It's just not something that I would. Uh, straight away associate with Michael Jackson having a horn section, you know what I mean? But mm. it absolutely works within this it song. Does. It's just so beautiful. Mine's really yourself? bizarre. Cheryl Crow. Yeah, right. It's Cheryl Crow. Because when they opened up with Wanna Be Starting Something, she wasn't Cheryl Crow, man. She was a fucking dancer, singer. And the song was sped up. Really sped up. And I remember looking at this woman with a perm going, what the fuck is this white chick? Wow, she's incredible. And then I'm a huge Sheryl Crow fan. So my understanding of her coming from that to all I want to do is have some fun blows my fucking mind. What a transition. That's where I go. But that was way before I'd seen it. Obviously want to be starting something, you know, side one, track one. Amazing. Yeah. What a way to open an album. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And it's such a statement as well. Like it, it, it's all about like making an impression, yeah. like coming in making an impression. It's the, the first track on the album. Here you know? I am. It was like fucking massive, the statement that they made, you know. Yeah. And um, it is very – it is also very off the wall, I feel, as well. Like I, I, I have to sort of like think and because of the sort of um, – I connect it to – what's the track off off the wall? Uh, I connect it with Rock With You for some reason. Really? Yeah. I don't know why I do. I don't know why I do. Not work, uh, working day and night. Working day and night. Rock with you, yeah, with yeah. You. For some reason, there's something about it that I, I sort of connect it. I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's that early vibe. It's that sort of early energy, like this being an opening song, and then sort of, uh, rock with you coming from the previous album. So it's that sort of like opening energy. That's funny because I connected to the Jackson Five Heartbreak oh, Hotel. Yeah. Oh yeah, Heartbreak right, right. Hotel. Like fuck yeah, man. When they did Heartbreak Hotel, I lost my shit. Yeah. On that live album. Yeah. Because it was sped up again. So I kind of did put the two together. Yeah. Um, I remember putting Heartbreak Hotel in cover bands and going, we're doing really? this. I don't give a fuck what you think. Oh, yeah. People are like, what? You want to do Heartbreak Hotel? I'm like, dude. I didn't know anyone in Australia knew this. Oh, my God. Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, it breaks my heart. See, I thought. It's like fucking Hotel California for fucking black people. It's just great. You know what I mean? I thought Baby Be Mine was off the wall for me. So did I. Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. Too. yeah. That was an Very extension. Off the wall. Yeah, do we like Baby Be Mine? I love the vocal. Yeah. I love the vocal in it. His, mm. his vocals on this entire album were incredible. His vocals were incredible, yeah. Mm. Coming in, I said no, but now that I've listened to it, yeah. Yeah, it's very off the wall. Yeah, it's off the wall. I, I don't – I'm not pure. a huge fan of that genre. Yeah. That kind of like slow sort of disco feel. Well, it's a bit George Benson-y. <laughs> We've heard it before. I hate that fucking like yeah. walk through Central Park kind of vibe. It's yeah, like, nah. yeah. I, I'm not – 
I want to know you want to root me. Yeah. I don't want to fucking make. I don't want to know games. you're feeling like you want to root me. Yeah, I want yeah. you to root me. Don't. Yeah. But Just anyway, me, don't tell me about it. That's right. Now, Surprise now, me what, and pull it out. Want to be something? Want to be starting something? And the girl is mine. Were actually demoed at Havenhurst before they went to the the studio. The demos are incredible. Girl is mine was the first single from mm. the album, um, and that as well was a, a, a huge statement as well because it's sort of it's fucking Paul McCartney. Like yeah. here, here, Michael Jackson is with the whitest guy in the yeah. world yeah. who just so happens to be like a massive, massive music legend. You know, it's just huge. How are you going to cross over? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he did some great stuff. Let's play it now. She walks right in my dreams Since I met her from the start I'm so proud I am the only one Who is special in her heart The girl is mine The doggone girl is mine I know she's mine Because the doggone girl is mine Silly dreams, really just a waste of time because she's mine. The dark girl is mine. I love you more than me. Take you anywhere. <laughs> um, I wasn't a fan of Paul. I like Say, 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 the B-side. Oh, the fucking bridge in Say, Say, Say blows my mind. I love that yeah, He's good. All alone, yeah. I sit down by the phone and I love you, baby. Oh, take your undies off. Great. You always had good bridges. Great he bridges. always had good bridges, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Strong yeah. bridges when you wrote. I appreciate the fact that it's Paul McCartney, but I'm sorry, I think he did Paul McCartney a favour at this time. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. I don't think they Paul were doing was... each other a huge favour, weren't I they? Don't know. Oh, yeah, politically. Politically, yeah, whatever. But the thing is, it was exciting. Paul McCartney but was I being introduced to a, a younger kid. audience, and Michael Jackson was be, uh, being pulled into the mainstream. And it was like very much like they said in the doco, a sneak attack into the mainstream. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It was Enya. That's right. Had Paul done much solo stuff before? It then? was Enya. What a nut job. Doing wings and that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But no solo stuff, huh? Not necessarily, no. No. I didn't mind it. But I skipped it on the album every time. I I couldn't stand it and I'm not into the film clip either. No. Like all the clown shit. I wasn't into. Well, that's say, say, say. The film clip say, say, say. Oh, that's right. I see another one I always get mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. The girl is mine had oh. no video. Oh, Latoya was in say, say, say. That's right. Can I just say, I, um, say, I've, say, say. I've got to tell you about my week. This is the biggest thing that's happened in my week. It's really big. I 
we've been talking about Lionel Richie a lot and Running With The Night. So I sat there in bed last night going, God, I need to listen to Running With The Night. So I watched the video. Do you know who the love interest is in the video? Don't say Latoya Jackson. Sheila fucking E. Fuck off. Fuck you. It is. It's Sheila E. She gets around. Fuck. What year did that come out? 83. So he already loved her when they're going into We Are The World. I was looking at this girl going, Sheila E. And then she started walking in the video like she does in Sign of the Times with the white one-legged outfit where she walks really sexy, the same walk, and I went, oh, my God, that's Chillery. It was Aren't fucking they related Chilery. somehow or Ew. there's some kind of connection, Don't though? I think so. There's some kind of connection Well, she was somehow. always – her dad was always a great muso, so she was obviously just doing some extra work before she became famous. Yeah. But you watch all night long. If anyone thinks they know this shit, we need to be friends. So this is after We Are The World? Before. Before. Running With yeah, The Night came out before, before because yeah. he performed he, oh, yeah. it. Sort of around yeah. the time that he was starting to become mm. popular. It's Sheila Ree, man. Fuck, that's amazing. That's I a, couldn't that's believe it. That's a big it. get for him. So that was my week, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I do during the week. I applaud you. Thank you. I think my world's good. All right. Now, guys, I think we have to dive into Thriller and be brave. It is the next. Let's get spooky. It is the next um, track on the album. Even chronologically, um, it was released a little bit later. So this may be sort of tricky for you guys to pick up because um, it it was it was sort of I, th- I believe Thriller was the last single from the album. Thriller was the last um, single released from the album. There was a big heap released and then Thriller. So it, it, this is sort of jumping forward in time a little bit, yeah? So um, basically they had a big heap of singles released. At the time you were you were just like, you know, fist pump in the air if you got sort of one or two singles from an album at, at this time. To get three or four was amazing. Michael Jackson had just achieved five. I think Human Nature was the fifth one from from memory. People were pumped. They were chuffed. The album was like going really well. It had by this stage been released for about a year and um, then it sort of got to, you know, what are we going to do next? Michael was still raring to go. He was still wanting to release singles from this album and – um, you know, it was part of his trajectory to make this entire album the biggest selling, selling album in history. So he was like, no, nah, we've got another single in the tank, you know. And um, so he sort of started like uh, focusing on Thriller and what he was going to do for the film clip. Nobody wanted to pay for it because they thought like you've already had this incredible success. You're just throwing money at the album needlessly. You've had your success. This is going to peter out now. Little did the world know that this, you know, this next success would just push the album and the artist into the stratosphere. Michael had in mind that he wanted to do a bit of a supernatural feel uh, with the video and he was a big fan of American Werewolf in London and therefore a big fan of John uh, John Landis. So he wanted to sort of incorporate sort of some supernatural um, themes into the film clip. But, of course, that stuff comes at a budget. Like he wanted to have sort of monster effects and explore it sort of that way. 
this came with a price tag. Nobody wanted to pay for it, yeah? Well, they, why would you pay for it if the album's already fucking thrown? You know what I mean? That's exactly and right. And this is the thing with Michael Jackson. Not interested in that. You're going to do something, a million and a half or whatever it was, to set up your next record. He knew where he wanted to go. That's right. He knew where he wanted to push this album. He wanted to do get get it to a level that it was completely unprecedented. Nobody had ever seen this kind of thing before. So he was sort of like even though he had had the success with the singles from the album, he was still sort of pushing people, come on, we've got further to go. So it was all like following his vision and, and where he wanted it to go. It's absolutely incredible. Well, it's not though. If you're a marketer, no matter how much money you make on a record, you can set up your life if there's a budget there to go further. Yeah. And I think that's where he was going with this. We're going to play the demo of Thriller Mm. first, which wasn't Thriller. So this hasn't really been sort of resolved as yet and then – was it his brothers that showed him Werewolf of London or whatever? He used to watch it in the tour van as a kid. Yeah. One of his brothers showed him on the yeah. tour van. And I think it's a skill of someone to say to them, okay, I know I've made a trillion dollars on the record but I want to do this because the budget's there. But the suits don't want to do that. The suits don't want to spend another fucking cent. Why should they? Well, sort of um, music videos cost about 50 grand in this time. Mm. What Michael had in mind was going to cost over a million dollars. Yeah. And I think that's where he was at. Yeah. I actually don't think it was about the success. I think it was about the fact that he wanted to go further and he saw the future because if he hadn't have had this video, would we have brought the next album, do you think? Well, it's the vision of music isn't just something to be listened to. We can yeah, watch it we've too. Yeah, we got MTV. This is and right. That's this is right. right. And so he he was also getting his head around and mastering in real time this visual medium of music. You know what I mean? So so you, you can really see the growth through those five and six singles. The the growth in the video clips. Like if you look at. Um, if you look at like the earlier stuff with the singles moving through, how much they grew. They were incredible, those early ones, but where it went to get to Thriller, it was just like phenomenal. And if you look at any artist before 1982, any video clips, they're just a bunch of people singing on a stage. Yeah. yeah there's no right. storytelling. Right. There's no... no. Benatar used to do it. Yeah. It's just, it's just sort of filmed theatre. Yeah. Rather than not short approaching it like a movie. Yeah. You know? um, and look. Uh, basically, the way they got around it, he had this incredible, um, incredible idea. He wanted MTV to pay for it; they wouldn't pay for it. So they said, "We're going to make this incredible film. We will sell you this deal, um, and we'll release a video of the making of." He wanted the record company to pay for yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. And they wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, MTV paid for it. They ended but up paying for the making because of, they yeah. got the making. Yeah. But that was the negotiation. That's right. But isn't it fucked that a record company says, we're not going to pay for it. We've already made our money. Fuck you, right? This is what the big issue is. They saw it as a waste. No vision. A waste of money. That's right. They didn't have the visionary sort of qualities that he did. But if the guy's done all this work to get you a number one album, give the guy some creative pull, man. Yeah, listen. Actually listen because – you know what I mean? I think yeah. it's rude and I think that I'm glad he pushed that. Let's just listen to the demo, Starlight it was called, wasn't it, Jamie? Yeah. Yep, here we go. 
starlight fucking shit. Like shit. it doesn't go to like all the ingredients the are there. That's you can right. hear them. It's yes. that far away. Yes, starlight just does not, anyone does not know go. the story of how. It went into Thriller. Do we know how that happened? I think it was just him wanting to bring the supernatural element right. into it and it's like the Thriller film genre and making yeah. it filmic as well. Starlight rem- reminds me of that song, Starlight in the na-na-na-na-na, oh. that 90s or 2000 song. I'm not a big – Starlight would have taken it on a whole different journey. Yeah, not as what good. What journey's that? Not as good. Fucking – What's the fucking fairy tale? The the, the, the incredible thing twinkle, about twinkle. it being thriller is that it almost it it was storytelling. It was a much more David Bowie approach to music, where it's like he's creating a universe, and it's almost like it's a musical or something like that. You know what I mean? It's a much bigger vehicle than it just being a song. Starlight, like, and you know also what I mean? you don't get the video from Starlight. You wouldn't get the thriller video. You would have got more fucking. So I think that's probably why he argued with thriller being a video because it's gone from starlight to thriller, and then he's just gone. Jesus, like Michael said in the in doco, which I totally agree with that God used to channel through him and help him write the songs, and I honestly believe that has happened because he may have been off the point a bit, but then it. Down, you get downloads every month. Well, Rod downloads. Temperton wrote this one, but I'm not right. sure who came up with the title. I think right. it may have been Michael just like dropping that in because that's the sort of course that he wanted oh, to go down. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I mean? Okay, so that's what's happened. Because you can hear the original ideas yeah, already yeah, here. Yeah, the melody's there. A lot of the lyrics are still but there. It's shit. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. fu- it's not the same thing. No. That supernatural element like injected into this song absolutely made it lift. Yeah. And you just think like like who the fuck would think of that? Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? It's it's Michael's childlike mind. Yeah, thriller. You know, it's just incredible. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? So we should play the original as well just so you can hear the actual track. The difference because this is where the magic happened. I'll take you home. What's the problem, Ola? So dicky. I love it. I love it. It's cool, but it's dicky. Do you know when you, in the doco, when the costume maker talks about Ola's costume and she's so proud of it? It's like, dude, we were all wearing that, right? I wasn't. I was. Leopard skin was huge. They still bring it in. She's gorgeous. Ola's gorgeous. Ola's gorgeous. I think she might be a little bit bitter. Just a bit. Just a bit? Just a bit. But um, – I had a funny um, argument with her and – What? With her and Tatiana, whatever the fucking name is, from, you know, The Way You Make Me Feel. 
Oh, yeah. I loved her. What, yeah. Why were they together? I had out? a three-way. Three, no, no, calm down. Oh. Three-way argument. I'd like to see Me that. Me and Ola and fucking Tatiana had a three-way what argument. What do you mean? How? Um, another time, another episode. Yeah, that'll be the Patreon episode. <laughs> you want to hear about the three-way that Paul had with Ola and Tatiana? Three-way argument. Argument? That's awesome, babe. That's, that's shit. That's good. Three-way would have been better. I would have watched it. But um, listen, um, Thriller, big, big improvement. Whatever happened there, just easier to set a video clip to it. I think around the time horrors were huge as well. Horror movies were very big in the 80s and you're just going, let's make a horror out of this. The thing that does annoy me is that the record company went, oh, no, we're not spending any more money because we're already number one, you know. That's how suits think. The suits have been the problem in his fucking career, 100%. And this video, I think, catapulted sales. I think they were selling like a 1000 a MTV a made a fortune. Yeah. Oh, there goes a puppy. For someone who never wanted to play black artists, That's this right. Made now, didn't they redeem themselves? Mm. Not really, but they went from – because we've done an MTV special on the 80s montage. It's one of the best specials we've ever done. We don't sugarcoat it. We talk about the racial bullshit that went on with MTV. We put David Bowie on the show, blah, blah, blah. David Bowie was the man. He was the guy that really fucking stood up for black artists. But then uh, was it Henry or Harry that rang MTV and said, I'm pulling all my artists if you don't – what was it, darling? Walter, Walter yeah, no, yeah, that's right. CBS was the one that said, "You don't play Michael Jackson, beat it. You're not getting anyone." That's right, yeah. beat it. That was the video that, that allowed black artists to be played on mainstream TV. Now, beat it for me was the most empowering song because it's rock and MTV was rock and roll, and black. Yeah, but they were white bread, mate. Black artists were only allowed to be urban and R and B. And you know what? They used to watch the streets. With the cable TV and where the cable TV would light up with MTV. So all of a sudden when Michael Jackson, and this is what Michael Jackson wanted, he wanted to supersede that bullshit and put out a record where it was racially not even an issue. When MTV looked at the stats, stats, there you go, your favourite word, my favourite word, um, and looked at the streets where they were lighting up when the black artists came on, it was just they couldn't argue the fact. People loved Michael Jackson and Prince, you know. But then once he'd done Beat It and then crossed over to Rock and Roll. Yeah, that's right. With Van Halen. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. The white people are like, what? Well, this I didn't is know our it was Van Halen. Too. I wasn't a Van Halen fan. But I certainly knew who he was after that. Another smart move. Paul oh. McCartney, Van Halen. I think Jane Fonda Absolutely. was in there that somewhere. was the whole thing, yeah. Now, there was a big moment for this album. Uh, you know, you had all of like pre- Thriller single release, you have all of that sort of pre-period where all the other singles were released and it got some obviously great traction. It was selling really well. When the video came out for Thriller the single, it tripled the album sales straight away. Mm. Um, there was one stage where they were selling um, – there was there was a couple of moments where it was selling a million albums a week. 
a week yeah. resonating with that many people. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Well, now, it's kids. Kids love that this stuff. This is the other thing. The thing, yes. the thing that really pushed it as well, this is the moment where the merchandising was happening for Michael Jackson. So he was like all over lunchboxes, all over like any kind of merch you can think of that, that a kid's going to be interested in and particularly dolls. Can you remember the the yes. MJ dolls that it. came out this year? Have you got, got it? it? Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> there was MJ and there was uh, Boy George in that yes. same year. Mm-hmm. And I remember girls had one or the other. They didn't That's have right. both, you know. And. Can I remind? We're not talking downloads. We're talking people going out to a shop and buying. That's right. This is it. Not downloading in your own home. We're going out to the shops and buying. We're physically making an effort. So different to buy a record, and you open the record, and there's Michael Jackson with two little tigers. That fucking rocked my world. I was like, oh my god, he's got a tiger. I want a tiger. (laughs) But he looked so incredible on that album cover. He looked oh, so yeah. beautiful in the white suit and it was just so sharp, the whole thing. It's you know? it's actually out of this world. Different yeah. to the uh, video. You'd never see it ever again. Also, people would started doing the, the, the dance from the film clip in the clubs. It was all popping and locking and like street mm. like street dancing, like like you know, breaker stuff. People started doing it in the clubs and the white audiences re- like doing it in through the clubs and everything. That was the big exciting thing. This is a thing that has not stopped ever since that release. That's right. So people doing it publicly, doing it part of flash mobs, like people doing it in jails. There's a big festival. In jails? No, yeah, they, they do. Yeah, they, they do. do. That's really? Yeah. YouTube so if it. I go to jail I can keep fit doing Thriller? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And it wasn't it wasn't just popping and locking, it was crossing over again. It was popping and locking and, and doing ballet and, and getting some classical stuff in there. Yeah. Right. Some jazz. Bob Fosse stuff. And and the unique thing was that nobody had done that fusion. Oh. So it's the fusion that Michael Jackson that was uh that that was the thing that he was inventing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Black. Like artist. he was I think Quincy and Michael actually had a bit of a falling out sort of down the track a little bit and one, I guess, um, claim that Quincy had about Michael was that he was very Machiavellian. What he means by that is that he he grabs a little bit from here and a little bit from there and a little bit from here. Um, the thing is though there is a genius in mixing everything that he's taken and producing something else entirely. And yeah. this is Michael's art, really. No one can make a banana cake, can they? <laughs> True. What? No one can make a banana cake. Some people fuck it up. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. He didn't fuck it up. Sometimes it's as dry as a nun's Sometimes nasty. it's fucking horrible. <laughs> but and I think there is a skill to that because he I never had a banana cake for years. I was gonna make Why one would for you us say today because I've been trying to. I've got four fucking Fuck bananas ready to go. First thing that comes oh, to yeah. mind is um, moist. Moist, yeah. yeah no, moist. no. Sorry. Th- there is a talent, and Madonna did the same thing. Yeah. Took bits and pieces of um, voguing and breakdance or whatever. There is a talent. And a portal where some people can do all that without looking like they've stolen stuff. And the stolen things now, oh, they stole it because yeah. people are starting to look into shit. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. You never knew who Bob Fosse was, bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I can be inspired by something. You fucking never knew. And don't tell me you were watching fucking James Brown exactly. either. You know what I mean? You were fucking watching Rick Springfield. 
Yeah. As much as I love him. Let's have some more music. What do you reckon? What are we up to? We're going to move to side two of the album now, guys. Uh, Track number one is this one. track now his big thing with this going into it because this he wrote this you know this was one of his that he wrote incredible um he wanted to mix and celebrate black culture generally and especially sort of street culture and then target it to a, a young white male audience he really wanted to go for that so it was taking all the sort of r&b influences and all the urban influences and then um, delivering them through like a, 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 a more white rock lens. And it's absolutely incredible. The fusion of rock and R&B in this song is absolutely incredible. And the way that it was delivered in the clip as well. You know. So for me this was 1983. I was in gym class, Clayton South Primary School, and this was our PE song, Beat It. Beat It was such a protector for me as a kid because I was never really popular as a kid and I would like guys and I would be a bit shy. I couldn't tell them I liked them. As soon as I heard Beat It, I felt like this empowerment that I'd never felt before in my bones, never felt it. I was like, this is a tough song. This is a tough song. This is going to be my mantra because basically he gave us permission to be ourselves and I don't actually think it was a racial thing I think it was a toughness in the music that you went beat it yeah fuck you if you don't like what you see fuck you and I remember living through it going I don't care if you don't like me I'm gonna beat it 
and then his his attack of the vocal, and then in the film clip as well, just the way that he was dancing, angry, like it was just amazing. He was so empowered, and for a lot of the clip, he's by himself. He's like walking through the bar on his own. He's laying in his shitty little bedroom and he's like squat, which a lot of videos ripped off. It was just amazing, all of that, like dancing alone in the hall before he then went and met, met up with the with the gangbangers. You know what I mean? That was incredible. And I forgot. I'm glad you said the first song to side B. Because I forget that there was yeah. two sides, you know. So right. he came out with "Want to Be Starting Something." What a way, mm. bang! But then it was like part two. But then you got to you got to take time to flip the record over yeah. or change a cassette, and then bang, you're out there again. Yes. Yeah, strong. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Really strong. This this second side of the album is is incredible. And you got to remember, there's not many tracks on the album. Yeah. No. Not like nowadays. Yeah. And you knew. Either to go to track one if you felt like want to be starting something, or side B if you wanted to beat it. It was pretty, pretty well marketed, you know. And yeah, it really was. This was the video that changed MTV. This is the yeah. one where they said, "This is the one." You either play this is it. This the Walter Yetnikov one. You yeah. either play it or I'm pulling everybody. So the choreographer to this this video was also Pat Benatar's choreographer. He was a huge choreographer at the time. Is it Michael Peters? Michael Peters. Yeah, that's right. So Michael Peters choreographed this. It was new to us because it was a dance routine that was tough. Now, not only that, they used real gangsters and a couple of dancers. But the thing that I always remember, and I hate to mention it, but it's funny, is Wildow Yankovic (laughs) when they do eat it and the guitarist blows up in the video. (laughs) Fuck, and I laughed for years about that. <laughs> Weird Al's pretty good. Right? Weird Al's great. The movie's fucking shit. Don't even bother watching it. I love the movie. What it are you retarded? It was such a piss what? take. Who what? plays him again? Bloody Daniel. Harry Potter. Daniel. Harry yeah, Potter. yeah. D- um, Daniel. What's his name? Daniel someone. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. It was a piss take, but that's what Weird Al yeah, does. Yeah, but I didn't like her. I didn't like him saying he was dating Madonna and stuff. That oh, was she was begging to way. marry him. She what? was a syndicate of drugs. No, he's taken the piss. That's what no, he does. No, I didn't like that. Didn't Begging like to marry that. him. That's, too, that's <laughs> yeah. too much for me. Have you that's seen ridiculous. it? ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a bit of it. I couldn't stomach it, to be honest. But I yeah. remember when. Um, it starts off pretty sickening, but if yeah. you get when into he, the fact that he's taken the piss out of his whole life, yeah. you're yeah, like, but okay, I'm not now sure. I get it. I don't know about your life for you to take your piss out of it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not that interested <laughs> in it. it. But the fact when you saw Beat It and you saw. The start of it where, you know, where the guy pulls the chick's heads back to patch them and when they're leaving and yeah. her head falls off and shit. Fucking awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? I loved it. I thought it was really well done. And have you ever been to Skid Row? Not the country. In, Is in there LA. a country? Like the, no, there's a strip in LA. It's a strip in LA. Oh. Where all like the most dangerous right. street. Drop by out. Never so heard That's of where it. they picked yeah. up half the gangsters for this oh, video clip. Right. Mm. Like it's the hard, like they wanted the real thing. Fucking yeah! And they yeah. came in and they just danced, and they were starstruck. Like, oh my god, Michael also, Jackson! So you would be. And they danced. One of the best videos ever. It's just so raw. This video clip, like uh, his performance, is phenomenal. He looks so fucking good in this clip. 
He looks so fucking good. Like that that kind of like gut feeling when you get pulled towards somebody, this for me was the film clip oh, that did it. Oh, even musically you get pulled just, towards him. Like just like connecting to the lyric, the fire is in your eyes. There was so much fire in his fucking performance. You know, I just loved it. We've done this song in Rewind 80s for 12 years, beat it. Were you there the night? The four girls sat down on the ground and protested to dance to it, and yeah. I fucking went through them. Yeah, that's right. Was it really he, shit? Why was it? Because it was the Michael Jackson thing. They were caught up in the media. Yeah, stuff. yeah, 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 yeah. But what was the night like? What was the occasion? I think it was like the Noble Park. No, fucking, you know what it was. It was, was when it? that stupid fucking documentary that's came. That's right. It was. And they were sitting down and protest because that, that was like, how dare you play Michael Jackson? Years. We've done beat it for years. And we fucking tore them apart. We did. We ripped their fucking underpants I off. I forgot man. that. They sound educated. I remember it because I was really fucked up about it. Because it's like, it's the 80s. No, we're we were in angry. 80s, we, we were, were fucked angry. off about that shit. Really that fuck- really pissed us off. I wanted to off. kill those girls. It's like you little fucking yeah. cunts. You fucking, you're Fuck 10. off. You're coming exactly. to a fucking 80s gig. Exactly. Chances are there's going to be Michael Jackson, you sluts. Ex- sluts is the word. We, we went for it. Sluts is the word. I, I they agree. They sound we, educated. You were we there, that's right. We went for it. Yeah, I wanted we to We were so them. pissed off. Yeah. How old were we they? We kicked them like? out. No, no, we, we actually 80. left the stage so angry. We were like, get those fuckers out of here. Mm. It's like how. How dare you come to a gig where people are dancing and having a good time and you make it about you, you fucking That's right. idiots. That's right. I couldn't be- – oh, I was so fucking angry that night. So bad. We wanted to kill them. Yeah, we did. I remember it so clearly. That was down lucky here somewhere, didn't. wasn't it? Yeah, Noble Park. Yeah. Fucking Shitsville. Just in, in saying that, <laughs> you did do a documentary about the mockumentary – and it was amazing. Oh, thank you. I was in tears oh. because you watch the documentary and it's, it's a all. A little bit sad. The f- there's a shot of Jackson in your documentary when he looks up into the camera like a child, like he's childlike and he's so excited to be around these children. Now, the thing that people don't understand, which they don't, healing someone can be as simple as a rock star coming to hospital and giving them the time of day. Yeah. It makes them want to live more. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's how you look after people when they're sick. Yeah. Jackson used to rock up. We're going to talk about this in the Patreon, but we talk about how he used to touch people and that used to go through, it used to heal them. Yep. I've spent 10 years, a bit more than 10 years, Talking to people, kids mainly, that were kids in the 80s and 90s that were in hospitals or orphanages that were visited by Michael mm. and, and I'm going to say touched or healed or, you know, um, visited by him. and They're okay now. Some have been gotten better, some haven't. Yeah. but yeah. Or they've lived a longer life. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing stories and that's why I put my book together, I suppose. And, and that's why you've got to read the book. You've got to read the book, <laughs> Humanitarian, The Real Michael Jackson, because it's just insane. We're not talking about a third dimension here. 
We're talking about a fifth dimension. And there's a lot of stories. Where you can fix stuff. I didn't put in the book just because I couldn't fact you check them. You were worried. Them. Yeah, yeah right, right. Like everything in the book can be checked factually. Yeah. Like you can't argue this shit. It's facts. Right. There's no opinions in there. It's just yeah. you've seen it's it. It's, it's dates, times, fucking locations. Yep. It's not I think this or I think that. Yeah. There's enough of that shit out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just dates, times. It's I, I even struggle calling myself an author because I just compiled the book. I researched yeah. and compiled it. I didn't. You're I'm not an author. Mm. I just compiled all the dates and, and and locations and said, "Here it is. Here are the facts." Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Make up your own mind. Amazing job. Thank you. Oh, I'm still burning about that. Fuck those bitches. <laughs> yeah, they were nightmares. <laughs> I wanted don't, to kill them. Don't. But you know what? And it could have put us off doing the song. This is the thing that shits me. Because yeah. I did Look, think about it. A lot of people would have gone, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we better let's not, not do, do Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. But we were like, fuck you yeah. guys. And all of us yeah, were. we were. Every member in the band was like, did you see those fucking assholes? That's right. And, yeah. and the song musically is so amazing and we do it really well because we've got all the instruments there and, Brad is into Eddie Van Halen, so he does the solo really well. Maddie's keyboards are incredible. We do it better than anyone. I'm sorry, but we fucking do. And no, I'm not sorry, we do. And it was just going to be a waste of a song. Like why do I have to fucking put up with that shit? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Billy Jean? Absolutely. Let's move on to Billy Jean now, guys. Check this out. We've got a beautiful little, uh, little thing for you to listen to. Little demo. More kicking stuff in the phones, I need it. More bottom and kicking the phones. I love between the demos and the actual releases is how close they are. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. For him going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one wasn't an This was just a fucking different sound. See, even though it's like obviously not complete and it's far away from what it became, the essence of it is still very much there, isn't there? Like you can hear like the percussive elements and everything that he was really going for. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love this song so much. Mm. I love Billie Jean so much. The thing that works, I've done this in a cover band before. Mm. The one thing that makes it travel are the shakers. That's the strongest part of the song. Because if you don't have those shakers on track, fucking does not sound like 100% tell you now. We did it with the Wicks, band you used to come and see me with. Yep. And it was fucking horrible. <laughs> it was fucking horrible. And Maddie goes, well, we need to track the shakers. And they didn't like to track shit because it was like not a musician to track shit. Whatever, mm. just, just yeah. make the sound happen. Exactly. No, they wouldn't do it. So when you do it live without that shaker, Doesn't it work. fucking loses 
everything. Yeah, yeah. That's the fucking song, the shake-up. You know what I loved about this this song? The mystery of it and the urgency of it. It sounded just like this, like, fucking full-on thing had happened to him. Yeah. And, and this was written by Michael as well. Like this yeah. one, another track that's sort of written by him. Um, everybody was asking, what the fuck has happened here? What what has happened? Has he sort of knocked? Is this autobiographical for a start? Is this sort of fictional or is it autobiographical? Like what's happened? Where has this stemmed from? Because uh, it came at a time where people wanted to know more about him. You know what I mean? They They were pushing past just the music and him as a performer and um and they wanted to know about him, who he was dating, who he was sleeping with. And this was giving us a little bit of an insight. Like, has he gone and knocked some chick up? Mm. You know what I mean? This this kind of like perhaps like seedy undercurrent. Like, what's going on here? And you know? when was Motown 25? A long time after this single came out? I think he just sort of. Because Motown. It was the new single. It was the new single. And Motown yeah. 25 was just after. Fucking. Yeah. I, I, I believe the clip was released first. Oh. And and then the special happened because the 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 dance routine that happened in the Motown Twenty Five had nothing to do with the clip. Nothing. So That's right. I, I think if he had to come up with that 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 dance routine that he did at Motown Twenty Five, he would have done it in the clip. Well, there's no He'd, moonwalking you know in the video. No, this yeah. is the thing. This is the thing. Um, the the thing about Billie Jean clip that you remember is actually how. Little dancing there was because it it was really sort of opening up. Like the what I'm talking about is like music videos were opening up, and especially artists that did a lot of dancing. So they didn't know how to shoot them yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they didn't know how to get the correct coverage. Oh, yeah. All they really had was the pathway set with the sort of lighting up pavement. Look at my feet. That's it. They realised that they didn't have the budget to light all the pavement stones that he was going to walk on. So they they sort of, they showed him, they showed Michael Jackson, okay, this is the pathway, these are the ones that hey, had lit. He sort of locked that pathway into his mind and it was like, great, okay, cool. These are the ones that I'm going to step on. He improvised it. Yeah. He walked down, they, they, they reckoned that, and you see this in the doco, they filmed it. The cinematographer's um, glasses all steamed up mm. because he got all hot under the collar watching it. Yeah. I'm not saying in a sexual way. He no. realised what he was capturing. He was like, holy Genius. fuck, let's do that again. Now that I realise what we're going to be capturing, let's do it again. What you see in terms of the pathway like walking down on those like lit pavement stones is the second take. That's the amazing fucking thing. It's the second fucking take. Mm. This is the genius of Michael mm. Jackson. And the vision, yeah. again, to take the focus, put it back, put it down there on my feet. Yeah. Look at my feet because everything was waist up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially That's after right. Elvis. Yeah. And, and when you don't know what you're shooting and what they're going to do, you can't really storyboard it. No. And Michael would have been like that. It would have been like kick, dunk, 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 dunk. Oh, fuck, we missed it. The director actually said to him, this is in a dance clip. 
I, I like like don't do too much dancing. We're not going to be able to cover it. We don't have the budget. You know what I mean? So it was just him delivering it to the camera. But being Michael Jackson, the way that he delivered delivered it was all the movement that we saw. It was just amazing. And still a video before Thriller, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Video. So now videos this is where I TV think yet. this is where I think the anger's come in because what budget don't you have? What budget don't you fucking have? Well, there's no yet? vision. Yeah, but this fucking do album's huge. But we don't do movies. We don't do video. We do it's, music. There's How budget. Do you do both? We just don't want to spend. Yeah, but it. but they don't know the, the the cap needed to be pushed. They were only spending fifty grand on album on on uh, music video clips. So so. Th- that's where they thought their ceiling was. We can video you know him I mean? singing in the yeah, corner. But hang on a minute. Can yeah. you feel it was a million? Was so it? You can't, fuck yeah. Can you feel it was the first a million dollar video? But it was still urban R&B. It yeah, wasn't but it crossing was still a million dollars. So Michael knows what the fuck shit yeah, costs. He was getting yeah. up there. Yeah, right? yeah. But it wasn't crossing so the lines I'm, I'm yet. sort of thinking maybe he was a bit like, well, okay, we'll just do this. You tend to do that when people go, oh, well, hang on, we've got a budget. And you go, all right, well, you're going to have a budget for this one, but the next one, no fucking saying it, you know. Now the big sort of link to wider pop culture that Paul sort of drew in was Motown 25. Motown was um, celebrating their 25-year sort of anniversary and getting lots of artists to do this big special that was televised. You know, it was a big event. Everybody was really excited about all the artists that was that were coming on, but especially the Jackson Five. You know, it was this incredible big reunion having them on TV. Michael was hot. You know, Michael was hot as a solo artist, so everybody was excited about that as well. He originally didn't want to do it. He was like, "I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to establish myself as a solo artist." They basically the, the compromise was, was like you can do some of your solo stuff, even though it's not Motown, you can do some of your solo stuff. He was like, Great, he saw the opportunity, he knew the world would be watching, you know. Yeah, so got up, performed with the Jackson Five, did all of that, looked amazing, didn't did an amazing job. They all left the stage, no one knew what was going to happen. There was just this buzz and they reckon like the, the atmosphere in that auditorium when he actually did that performance of Billie Jean was just incredible. But it was sort of um, – it was a music industry. Yeah. They went fucking crazy like fans. Yeah. They were going fucking crazy. So it, it – like this is the performance that really started pushing him into that like superstardom realm. You know, like this this sort of performance that he'd been putting together away in his sort of studio in Havenhurst for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, watching himself in the mirror, you know, practising, practising, practising. He was incredible at that. And again, and skyrocketed sales. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Again. Pushed it again. So so the, the eye and the mentality for marketing and promoting was amazing. Not just an artist at the songwriting and the delivery, but also the promoting. He was an artist in that territory as well. The the um, uh, entrepreneurial mindset, incredible. Can I just say I watched Motown 25 when it was on? Did you watch it? Yeah, that was my first MJ moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're right. You told me that. Um, told us that. 
No one really wanted the Jackson 5. We wanted Michael Jackson. I don't really think, I think it wasn't the chicken and the egg. I didn't know Michael Jackson before that. Oh, well, okay, well, I did. Because Beta was, um, Billy Jean was out. I feel like all the uncles and aunties were like, oh, yeah, the I J5 think it had the a Jackson. lot to do with Joe. Yeah. Joe wanted the family back together. It was a breakout. Again. But Joe he wanted to produce five own. Michael Jacksons. And he thought that the sort of popularity of Michael would sort of pull all the others up to that status, you know? Yeah, well, I mean? that's exactly right. Okay. And it did. Oh, but, yeah. But then they did a tour after that. And then Joe wanted him this to do a tour. This is the crazy fucking thing is Why? the tour. Yeah. The tour. So you've got the biggest album ever released yeah. doesn't officially have its own tour. Instead, Joe yeah. talks Michael Jackson into That's touring. what I mean. So you've just Catherine established Gina. yourself as the biggest fucking solo artist in the world and you're going to go back and perform with your fucking brothers? So you do for Mumsy. Oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, Michael... I'm I'm trying to sort of tap into whatever mindset got him over the line and I'm thinking like did Michael think to himself, well, at least I'm going to have like. It was his mum. But at least I'm going to have like amazing backup dancers that look exactly like me. You you know what I mean? No, it was his mum's doing the family card. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, it was the family card for sure. Fuck. Joe, Joe wasn't managing Michael. Freddie DeMarne was. One, yeah. one thing that I have never, ever suffered that I'm really, really uh, grateful of is family guilt. It's guilt. <laughs> it is 100%. Family guilt. Yes. It's a very cultural thing. Very cultural. That Aussies, <laughs> Aussies, Aussies don't do? suffer from. Don't Aussies reckon? don't suffer from family okay. guilt, not on the level that – that sort of other cultures Europeans do. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. Yeah. Black families, Europeans, yeah. Yeah, you know, true. Middle Easterns, Asian funny. families, mm. that kind of deep cultural guilt. Nah, Aussies don't have that. Because you know what? Shit we leave about home that. at 17 and fucking never look back. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. And, and if it wasn't for that and the Pepsi commercial with the Jackson 5, oh. maybe he would have been all right. This is the fucking other thing, okay? What karma is in that? This is the other thing. So to to, to fund the, this massive fucking overblown victory tour with the Jackson 5, Joe has the brilliant idea of getting Don King, the, the sort of boxing promoter on board, this larger-than-life promoter. Don King comes into the gig with this deal already done with Pepsi. Michael Jackson didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do Pepsi. He didn't drink Pepsi, he didn't like it. He was all about sort of like organic, healthy eating, all of that shit. Didn't want to do it. But it like wasn't, I mean, it became a sort of long sponsorship deal eventually but like wasn't it tragic, this this fucking beginning? Because they, you know, obviously we know they filmed the the, the sort of commercials for Pepsi. They did the one. Out. Was it two different commercials? There was one out in the street, and then there was the second commercial, which was in the studio, studio with the fans. I think the one that he got burnt in was just a single one by itself. 
Yeah, that's the right. But they did ones. the one on the street with the kids, which was really popular, and that that yeah. kind of got Michael excited. Like, actually, maybe this could be good. Yeah, that came first. And then they did the one in the studio with the fans, and that's where the pyrotechnics burnt him. And if you look, like the the doco, actually really gave you a good view of the burn. It was fucked. Horrific. It just burnt the crown of his Horrific. head off. My doco gives you a better view. Just saying. Oh, oh yes, your doco does. I've watched that. <laughs> um, is that right? It's, it's fucking cringeworthy. The thing is Pepsi were sponsoring everyone at this time. Mm. Pepsi were the biggest fucking sponsors for music like tours. Yeah, and that was a way to make money. It was a way that you didn't have to spend a budget. So then he went on Pepsi. He went on well, to say, well, I want to raise money for my charities. But the thing that worries yeah. me about it is Joe. And Joe wanted it to happen to keep it all orchestrated amongst the family. He wanted to make money. He wanted to make Dude, money. Dude, one yeah. of them is going to shine. I'm sorry, mate. One well, of them's going to shine. One of them was always was. shining. Exactly. The fucking God, and I love the Jackson 5. One. I fucking mentioned Heartbreak Hotel. I love the Jackson 5. But why take them back to fucking step one when you've got a fucking thriller album in like making millions because he was coming into his own so it's like getting a house cleaner cleaning your house and then going oh just get this chick that fucking fucks everything but baby, up again you know this about cultural guilt as much as i yeah, do this yeah. is what fucking happens it's right. got nothing to do with sense or logic so bad it's got nothing to do no, that's it's about right. 100%. you you can't let anyone 100%. creep out too far that's You've right. got to draw them back in and remind them where they come from. That's right. This fucking stick I used to hit you with. <laughs> fucking hell, mate. It's not very good, is it? Fucking drives me. It, it, I'm getting angry yeah. about this than the fucking fat oh, bitches sitting down. If I was his friend, <laughs> I would be gone. Because it's still relevant, isn't it? That culture. Yeah. Yeah, 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 100%. It is. Now, look, we've got to move on. We could bang on fucking forever. One thing that I want to mention before we play another little bit of music is at the same time that this was being made, this album, at, at fucking, what's it called, Westlake Recording Studio, not far away they were doing all the uh, tracking for E.T. So Spielberg's making E.T., he's finishing off E.T., the thing that people don't realise, while Michael Jackson was making Thriller with Quincy, Quincy's a friend of Spielberg and they all start meeting and these three incredible, you know, creative geniuses start sort of chatting and mixing minds and everything. Great, okay, we'll get Michael Jackson on board. Hey, let's do this sort of um, audio book, this audio recording of Michael narrating E.T. No one fucking asked Walter Yetnikov whose um, who's label had the rights. No one asked him to release it. But they just went ahead and fucking recorded it all and released it. It actually went out to the shops. It actually made it to the shops. Walter had to come in and sue them. He sued fucking uh, Spielberg. He sued Michael Jackson but then shit himself. He had to sue them. It wasn't the right thing to do. Then he shit himself because he, like, realised, oh, my God, I'm going to upset Spielberg and Michael Jackson. I don't think he gave a shit about Spielberg. I, He's I, biggest selling artist. 
I think people gave a shit about Spielberg. Spielberg had the biggest blockbuster He's in Jewish. history. Yeah. He invented blockbusters. I think he may have. But look, where, where I'm getting to, where he realised somehow he had to make it up to Michael because he had just sued him because he was worried about upsetting him, he gave him all of his masters back. Holy fucking shit. Who does that? Holy shit. A scared person. A scared person. Walter Yetnikov, oh, my God, just just incredible. I, like that move, that is like handing over mil, millions upon millions upon millions. The horse head to the mafia. Which, oh, my God. Which started something. It's just incredible. Should we play Carousel? Let's do it. So to give you some context... They needed a feel-good song for the album and it was a bit of a toss-up between this one and something else. Let's play it. She's from a world of popcorn and candy Pony rise for a dime Don't you then laughing I'm from a world of disappointments and confusion song isn't it and I love his sort of lower register happening in this um, but ultimately they could only sort of have the one feel good song you can actually we're not sort of like you know releasing anything sort of deeply hidden because this has been released with the Thriller 40 um, version of the album which is on sort of all all platforms but cute little song isn't it cute's a good word for it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah not a favourite it doesn't lift like the other ones, does it? It did. Yeah, it's filled. Now, is this one fucking um, old mate? Who wrote Carousel? I don't know who <laughs> wrote Carousel. Yes, stupid. But if you fucking read Google, you might just find out who. <laughs> we might hear this at the Hallam next week. Might hear it. Fucking, okay, so we take a break during these songs. We're like mice. We scatter to where we'd... I had to go for a spish. That's wonderful. Jay's that making they know drinks. That. Yeah, it's awesome. And I rush back to sort of fill the gap. Excuse <laughs> the right. pun. Um, I thought you were pouring me a one drink. Thing I'm good at. Carousel isn't my favourite. Now, especially put up with. Why? Now you know how. Why? Can I tell you something? Mm. You know how. Um, you know how Thriller was originally Starlight. Yes. Carousel, which is already kind of like makes you clench in the gut a little bit, was originally Circus Girl. Circus girl. Circus wow. girl w- w- wants to, you know. Circus oh, girl makes you want to. Do you know? Was yeah. so was Carousel on They're the ET hot. storybook? Is that what we're saying? No. Well, obviously, kind of like one is colouring the other. You know what I mean? Because there was a song, "Someone in the Dark." 
on the ET story. Oh, he's watching you. That was a really nice song. Yeah, I like that. Rock, Rockwell. Um, I don't know. I I think no. they were tossing up between Michael this. Sambello wrote this shit. Bullshit. Michael Sambello wrote this shit. But he's a maniac. He can't do that. Which I thought was weird. I would have expected weird. fucking a little bit of fucking maniac. Can you can you imagine if Maniac was released by Michael Jackson? It would have been fucking incredible. That would Probably work. would have been. He would have attacked that shit. Yeah. Michael Sambella does a good job, but imagine if it had to be Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Maniac. Come on, mate. I just think of leg warmers. <laughs> imagine MJ in leg warmers. No. No. Never going to happen. That'd be sparkly. Maniac, maniac. Yeah, it would have worked. It's dramatic. So, so it would have made anyway. it work. That was Carousel, you know, everyone's gone to sleep. But <laughs> in, instead, instead of Carousel, they had to choose this one. One of my favourite songs of all time. Mate, I'm with you. I never ate an apple <laughs> the same again. Why? Why? Because I just thought, if this town is just an, an apple, apple, let me take a bite. There's a great video on YouTube called, I know what it's called, but it's all about Michael Jackson talking about apples. Fuck, it's, it's a, a thing. It's a massive. It's a thing. It's a massive piss take. It's But it's a thing. When I heard this in the song, I was like, I'm eating apples every day. Apples must have gone up (laughs) in this time. The thing is the the connection he has with apples is the time 
spent in New York, you know, New York being New the York big apple, the apple, you know. That's right. And it and was a really it is as well. It was a really special time for him because he got to break away from the family because he was filming the whiz there. It was a phenomenal time for him. He was branching out into film for a start, like something that he really, really wanted to do. Got away from his family. Him and Latoya went and stayed in New York, had this amazing apartment. He was working with um, um, Dinah Ross as well, meeting Quincy. And there were just like so many things. He was going to Studio 54 at night, like all of this. It was an amazing period of his life. So New York had a really sort of special place in his heart and and like I – I actually listen to this song and imagine him still in the period of his life, even though he didn't write this, um, still in the period of his life when he was able to walk the street still. You know what I mean? And just walking on his own exploring New York. There's something about New York that's very, very different to LA. Even though it's in the US and, and you've got the big sort of polar opposites of LA and New York, if you're a star... In New York, you can walk the streets still. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, really. No one gives a fuck. They're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. In LA, you will get like held up. It's all about paps and putting yourself out there and, you know, getting out in the street, getting your face out there. No one gives a fuck in New York. Don't have time. Right. No time. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I never put two and two together, the Apple and New York. Mm. Really? Yeah. Thank you. How? From the been researching Michael Jackson for 30 fucking years, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Ap- the apple, wow. it's known as the big apple. Mm. And yeah, astrologically, it's, it, the star sign for New York is cancer, which is all about the mother and the apple and the nurturing. So that's New York's star sign is cancer, which mm. is all about the mother. So they're really quite good. Yeah. Yeah, he. You, you imagine this song sort of being brought to him and listening to it to, for the first time. Can I just yeah? And being blown away. By Can I it. just say, when I used to be a dancer at Chasers nightclub, they played this a lot, and it's not Did a they song. Really? You, yeah, you never play a song like this in a nightclub, and it was really magical because it was just. There's been a couple of versions of it and I'm not talking about the SV71 or whatever the fuck they were, SWV, fucking whatever. S-double-U-V. Why, why? It was the real version and they'd play it probably after fucking Marvin Gaye sexual healing, mix it in. It Because Chasers had like a starlight sort of sky, like it was sort of starry. And I remember standing there going, this is a great song. Christ. <laughs> First burp of the First show and it was a fucking show. good one too. It was a good one. Did you get that? Pulled it out. <laughs> Pulled it out. You <laughs> made everyone wait but it was yeah. great. But I do remember seeing. Tone edit and Or hearing. Maddie. No, no, Maddie doesn't <laughs> edit that stuff. I do remember hearing it. At a nightclub, and it was really loud. In a nightclub, very special. Oh yeah, Chase is not a strippers club. We've still got to do the episode with Lily and Eric Pipersberg. She just messaged me today. Yeah, actually. Eric, Lily, love your fucking vagina, right? Just telling you now. Your personality is right. Be too. careful; it could be on. I love it because I want to do this thing with Eric Pipersberg, who used to run Chases. They would play. Human nature, and it was like a spiritual fucking convention. Still is. 
It is. Mm. Did they play that at the Thriller 40 party that you went oh, to at Michael Jackson's house? Probably. They played, yeah. I would have lost my, my shit. I would Can have I had a meltdown. With you to I would the have had time? a fucking meltdown. I would have too. In that moment. Do you think you could have like two friends that come with you next time? That do a podcast show, incidentally? Maybe. Maybe. You know, Just you can tell you, Prince Michael. You can buy coming. tickets. It's a fundraiser for charity. Yeah, but it's 3,000 bucks. <laughs> I can't afford my you know fucking. What? I did. I can't afford new glasses at the moment. We just have to raise six grand in Patreon money. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask a special lady to come with me. Actually, special lady, Get fuck this. her. Get this. I'm coming. But the special lady, you probably know because eighties montage. Her name's Debbie Gibson. Oh, Debbie's beautiful. Oh, wow. she loves you. I know. She, she mentions you all the time. She loves me lots. Paul. Debbie's amazing. Debbie, so do you know what? Debbie's a bit. I I think Taylor Swift is a bit Debbie Gibson. Oh yeah. Well, she's not the original pop princess, is she? No. Yeah. no exactly. Debbie was. Debbie was the original, and Debbie had family involved. Debbie's the template for Britney Spears. That's Why right. Can't people see it in grade exactly. six. I got the most likely to marry Debbie Gibson award. You should is still marry. Right? Is yeah. she married? And then no. Is she married? Uh, no, she's not married. Is she ever married? I married her. Oh, I didn't marry her. I met her last year. <laughs> marry. I married her. Well, that's, that's I want to marry her. She's fucking awesome. I'm working on it, Sammy. She's I'm got the body it. from fuck. She's fucking amazing. She's our age and she looks incredible. And her vocals are fucking the best they've ever been. Mate. Incredible. Now, I how about we family. wrap up this episode? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> should. I think we're very close and we're over the line. We've played some beautiful music tonight. We've got one more track, guys. It is the second last track on the album. My favourite. Um, I don't know if we're going to play the last one. This is the last one. The, the Lady in My Life. It's the last one for oh, us. There's Lady in My Life on it. Yeah. No, we're not going to play that. Yeah, we're not playing that. Sorry, no. guys. I That's something that you one. can do in your own time. That'll be the Patreon we, episode. We, we always leave you wanting more that's and that's right. what we've done once again. You want the Lady in Red, go and listen to Krista Berg. Last Fuck song off. for tonight is this one. You know, you, you make me feel so good inside. <laughs> I've always wanted a girl just like you. Such a purity, pretty young thing. Ooh. Where did you come from, baby? And ooh, won't you take me back? Right away, won't you, baby? Then the rooted, you got to be. Spark my need, just sugar fly with me.
Pretty Young Thing. This is written by James Ingram, Sammy. Love James Ingram. Yeah. I love this because as a kid I wanted to be a PYT and I wasn't sure if I was one. I wasn't sure. You are one now. I am more than that now. I always think of PYC. like PYC? Yeah. Um, police Youth Club or whatever it no, is. No, I, I, I knew what it meant. Pretty young thing. But it was really. Good um, for you. It, no, it was really. <laughs> no, no, no. It was really empowering. Yeah, right. Okay. As as little girls. Yeah. Because you were like. We did this song. I'm a, we did this song. We did are going song? to do it again. I love PYT. Good. Really? Um, now, Paul, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We're going to do a Patreon with you now. Hope your mate's Thank not you. lost because he's going to have to wait. He's gonna, is he not waiting in my driveway? Is she? He? I don't know. She? Ooh, she look out! La 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 la. Oh, here we go. Wait, if she's humanitarian, uh, 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 the real Michael Jackson. Some competition for Debbie Gibson's uh, yes. affection. There will never be any competition for Debbie Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the dwarf cousin? What dwarf cousin? The dwarf cousin that used to dance. Who's is dwarf really cousin? A dwarf? Of course there is. Who's dwarf Everyone cousin? Everyone knows that. Her cousin or someone. Debbie's? There was a dwarf. Oh, Debbie's cousin. Debbie Gibson. I'm you're talking about one of the Electric Jackson. Electric youth. Right? Yeah. There was always a dwarf in the videos. No, there wasn't. A dwarf? Oh, my God. No, there isn't. I was the fan. We should do an episode of Dwarves in the <laughs> I thought you were going to say Debbie Gibson. No, no, because her cousin would do all the costumes. Don't you know this? Yeah, sister, all no, the gays know this. Sister Denise or Karen? Denise or Karen used to do the Don't, don't remember a There dwarf. was a fucking dwarf in the videos as a dancer. 100%. I loved him. Let's pick it up in the Patreon, why don't we? Yes. Thank you very much, Thank Paul so Dwyer, much, for Paul. coming in Thank and joining so us much. for our thriller episode. I hope you've enjoyed our commentary and the music, guys. Oh, it's been a, a great little exploration it's there. It's been a thriller. Please check out Humanitarian, the real Michael Jackson story, which it was written by Paul Dwyer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming in and joining Thank us. You. you can listen to the second half of this episode if you're a Patreon, Patreon guys. $1.50 is all it takes. But for $10 you get all the extra episodes. But I think what we're going to do is if you do a $1.50 Patreon, you're going to get the Patreon episode Why as don't well. we? That's a wonderful idea. Jump on board for $1.50 and you will get part two, folks. Patreon.com forward slash the 80s Montage Podcast. Now, for everyone else, our subscribers, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love Jump you. on board as a subscriber. If you're listening to this single episode, just hit subscribe. What's it going to fucking cost you? Nothing. I mean, the, the, the episodes get downloaded to your device as soon as they're released. It's the best way to go, guys. Be a fucking legend. Push us up the charts. Like, share, rate and review. Get your friends on board. Give us five stars and write a little comment in the comment section. Why don't you? Right, get fuck Sammy and Jay, but we love you, Paul. <laughs> now, we're Do not going to read out any people this week because we're running over time, but next week we're going to read out all our messages on the mailbag. We've got a big mailbag we're so coming. so sorry. We got very excited with the sorry. Michael Jackson episode. I'd love to send love out to the family, Paris, little Prince Michael, all and, and little BG. BG. Love you guys. I feel like we need to protect the family more and we really need to buy this Celebrate book. the artistry and Celebrate. the genius exactly. is what we need to do Don't and listen, listen to, to the, the music and dance. 
Love you guys. That's why it was made. And if it's music, mateys. Or cool shit from the 80s. We're going to talk about Unreal. it. Unreal.